definitely a lot bigger turnout than we anticipated, which, again, that's a good problem to have. No. No, it's not a good problem to have. Not when you have to send thousands of them home without voting. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast. As heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove, out in Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI in lovely Lancaster, out in Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. Minneapolis, St. Paul, AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And of course, coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, Detour Talk in East Tennessee, and yes, Radio Sputnik, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com, with, once again, another thrilling action-packed adventure that we call the Bradcast. Uh, Boy, you know, I have been, I, I always warn before election days, and on election days, and after election days, that sometimes it takes a while to shake out how bad the problems actually were on election day, at the polling place, in the results that uh, are reported and so forth. Well, we've got a terrific example of that coming up for you shortly here. Uh, man, uh, also coming up for you shortly is uh, Desi Doyen with our latest Green News report a little bit later. Hi, Des. Yep, can't wait. You can't? No, I can't. Okay. Uh, you sound sarcastic. <laughs> Okay, uh, and in that report, I should note, uh, you've got uh, President Obama and Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau <clears throat> making uh, kissy face, I guess. Is that the right way to... Is that the That's one way, way you to, could put it. I would say they the had inappropriate a... Probably uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, a little bit. It's only an international agreement of you know monumental importance. That's okay, though. Oh, well, there's that. Yes, they are uh, teaming up to fight uh, greenhouse gas emissions and quite a change from where we were just a few months ago up in Canada with the previous prime minister. So that's some good news. Uh, also, some news on offshore drilling and some a new policy out of the Obama administration. Some good news and some disturbing news there. And a big win for Native Americans over mining interests. Happy about that. And uh, some news on Obama's Supreme Court nominee and what the environmentalists think about him. Well, that's all ahead and uh, and much more. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm going through some of the uh, information from the uh, big elections last Tuesday in uh, Missouri, Illinois, Ohio. Florida, North Carolina. I'm looking at uh, the reports that were coming out that night from uh, from North Carolina, where voters were still waiting in line to cast their ballots at 11 p.m. in Durham, North Carolina. Now, you know, we hear all the time about how well, how do we get people to vote? We need more voter uh, voter turnout is so low. It's so terrible. And then when they do show up, 
they have to wait in line for hours, as we saw in North Carolina this week, or as we saw in Illinois. They can wait in line for hours and they still may not be able to vote because they're they'll run out of paper ballots and the county clerks, instead of just printing out, instead of just uh, photocopying more ballots, tells people to go away for hours or makes them wait in line for hours. And people, a lot of people cannot do that in the middle of a workday on a Tuesday. That's exactly what happened uh, in a number of counties in Illinois. Uh, a few days ago, actually, I guess the day right after the election, I was kind of railing, what, me, railing, ranting about what happened in Illinois and uh, running out of paper ballots and uh, specifically in Adams County, where precincts all over the uh, uh, all over the county ran out of ballots. People were, you know, eight, <laughs> had a story, uh, 89 year old Esther Sherman who had to leave. She said, I won't get to vote. She wanted to pull a Democratic ballot, but she could not wait two or three hours for the ballots to arrive after they ran out of paper ballots, after the turnout was higher than they had expected. And so uh, right now, the estimate is uh, there's uh, some 34 different polling places, reports, Best guess reports are about 100 voters at each polling place uh, could not vote. That's 3,400 voters. And that's just a best guess. And that may be a a small estimate. Uh, The county clerk out there in Adams County, uh, Chuck Van Vertlow, said that he had decided he had projected that there would be a 27 percent turnout. That's how many ballots uh, he, he put out. Based on previous presidential primaries, for example, back in 2012, when there was not a contested, when there was not two contested presidential primaries going on. Now, state statute requires that there be 110 percent of the possible ballots needed at each polling place. But Van Vertlo did not do that. And uh, I shouldn't uh, single out Van Vertlo here. They routinely do not do that around other uh, county clerks around the state do not do that as well. Despite that state law, they do it to save a few dollars. Well, uh, things went south very quickly uh, in uh, in Adams County, Illinois, where we had some close races, including in the uh, the presidential primary between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders that came out reportedly. Uh, Just uh, two percentage points, uh, actually less than that, uh, separating uh, Clinton and Sanders. The race between Trump and Cruz wasn't quite as close there, but uh, there were those races and others on the ballot as well that may have been closer. There is no reason to ever run out of paper ballots. You can just photocopy them. And people can vote on those. Now, county clerks don't like to do that because then that means they may have to hand count those photocopied ballots or worse, remake them, which I find incredibly offensive when they take what the what the voter uh, did on those photocopied ballots and they have someone inside the county clerk's office remake them, refill out the same ballot on a on a version of the paper that can be optically scanned. I find that incredibly offensive and I it's amazing to me that that is done rather than simply hand counting them. Well, in Adams County, where do I uh, well, here was the the county clerk uh, Chuck Van Vertlo uh, on election day uh, when he when these ballot shortages started to appear and here's what he had to say about it. 
If you love bugs in the system uh, today, can you go over what exactly is uh, happening today? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good problem to have. Uh, turnout is definitely a lot larger than we anticipated. Um, so the, some of the places where they're running low on ballots, I think I've had one that ran out for a little bit too, maybe that ran out for a bit, so we're running ballots out to all our locations. Uh, we're trying to obviously keep them in stock, so as they're getting low, they're calling us, we're printing them out, and I've got the staff running, running ballots out to them. So uh, definitely a lot bigger turnout than we anticipated, which, again, that's a good problem to have. So. No, it's so not. It's, uh, it's not something that is going to cause any problems. It's just something that you can take care of today. Yeah, I, I think it's something we can take care of today. I mean, I don't anticipate it causing any huge issues. I mean, unfortunately, <laughs> somebody may have to wait there while my driver's bringing a ballot in, but hopefully we'll be there in time to get them all, all taken care of. And as the day goes on, we'll keep printing and, and keep them running out there. That was County Clerk, uh, Adams County, Illinois, County Clerk Chuck Van Vertlow, not anticipating any huge problems. Uh, much as he did not anticipate the huge turnout, turns out uh, there was uh, both huge turnout and huge problems. The uh, the local paper there, the Herald Whig, the editorial uh, board there the following day railed on what happened. Uh, they wrote County Clerk Chuck Van Vertlow supervising his third election since taking office in December 2014. Severely underestimated voter turnout, heavy early voting locally and record turnout in presidential primaries around the country in recent weeks should have signaled high voter participation Tuesday. But those clues were either missed or ignored. That monumental miscalculation meant hundreds of voters who arrived at polling places across the county throughout the day and night were either turned away or forced to wait for up to five hours to vote because ballots were not readily available. Voting hours were extended for 90 minutes for the disenfranchised. Election judges took telephone numbers to contact voters when new batches of ballots arrived from the clerk's office. But voters were understandably dismayed, angry, and frustrated. That's uh, what had happened on Election Day. Uh, and, uh, well, this sort of has a, some good news here. The Adams County, Illinois state's attorney, John Barnard, went to court the next day and uh, filed for an injunction to get a remedy that uh, is, is rather extraordinary. And as of now, it has been granted. An Adams County judge has ruled voters who showed up to polling places on Tuesday but were turned away because ballots were unavailable should have the right to cast a late ballot starting Monday. Judge Chet Valle, or Val granted a mandatory injunction on Thursday afternoon ordering Adams County Clerk Chuck Van Vertlow to conduct late voting from 7.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. March 21 through March 25 in the clerk's office at the Adams County Courthouse. Noting that there was no punitive or financial recourse he could order to provide residents who were unable to vote during Tuesday's primary election, after many polling places ran out of ballots. Uh, in fact, um, Val, the judge, uh, noted that he and about 125 others stayed at the polling place until 9.25 p.m. on Tuesday when ballots arrived. So it was the judge himself uh, had to wait in line. Uh, but he noted that between 10 and 20 people left to take care of children or because of other obligations. So now there are essentially a 34 polling places, and uh, 
there are, as I said, some 100 voters turned away per polling location. And a judge has ordered this extraordinary remedy of an extra week of voting after Election Day. I don't believe that this has ever been done, at least not to my knowledge, not to the knowledge of uh, UC Irvine election law professor Rick Hassan, who I touch base with on this. He said, I've never seen a remedy like this. Uh, and he's not sure that it would hold up under court challenge. Here was uh, Adams County Clerk Chuck Van Vertlo uh, after the uh, uh, the judge ruled that the clerk must allow late voting. They're saying like per location, they may have had up to 100 people walk away. But that's who they saw inside. So, I mean, you may have had people that were on the way there, got out of their car, walked up and, you know, essentially told within that ballots that may have left already. So it's going to be hard to really guess how many we'll have. We'll just, it's going to be, unfortunately, wait and see, but we'll have plenty of ballots is one thing I can say. <laughs> yes, they will have plenty of ballots. That's one thing he can say. Uh, I tried to uh, touch base with uh, Van Vertlow. Uh, he was unable. I couldn't reach him. His uh, deputy county clerk said that there were still hearings going on today and that this matter can still be challenged by higher ups. So not everything is yet uh, finalized. And by the way, I don't mean to suggest there is anything nefarious here. Uh, by this county clerk. I have no reason to believe that, but it was a failure to the voters. Here now to talk about this is the Adams County, Illinois state's attorney, John Barnard, who, as I understand, is the one who came up with this uh, with this suggested idea, this this remedy uh, for uh, this late voting process. Uh, John Barnard, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Good to be here, Brad. Am I correct? Are you the one who came up with this idea to uh, allow people who couldn't vote last Tuesday to come on into the courthouse over the next week to uh, to yep. cast their vote? Yes, you may. Feel free to blame me for that. <laughs> yes, we'll see how it goes. Why did you come up with this idea in, in the first place? Well, for a very simple reason, and that is this. We had a number of people who, due to voter turnout, mm -hmm. the volume of voter turnout, appeared at the polls wanting to vote who were turned away and who could not vote because there were not sufficient ballots mm -hmm. for them to vote. And given how important the right to vote is, how sacred it is, it seemed to me that we needed to take action to do whatever we could as quickly and reasonably as possible to preserve their right to vote. Uh, what concerns do you have now about people, I, as I understand it, uh, voters will have to sign an affidavit saying that they, yes, in fact, tried to vote, they were turned away, they were not able to vote because of the ballot shortage. Uh, what concerns do you have that uh, people may show up who actually didn't uh, get turned away last week? Well, obviously, Brad, that was in the back of our minds from the get-go. That is, what is the potential for mischief here, and how do we guard against that? How do we minimize that? And the safeguards that we implemented or suggested to the court and were ordered by the court, I believe, are more than sufficient to minimize the opportunity for any mischief in the process. Specifically, we've got already in place a good number of our polling places are computerized not all of them but most of them or at least a lot of them and at those polling places where people actually signed in mm -hmm. uh, a a computerized printout 
is given to them, they sign it, then they take it to the precinct where they are to vote, and they exchange that for a ballot. So we've got already evidence at those polling places that if a person signed in, mm-hmm. but they didn't get a ballot, and we can prove that because the ballots are exchanged for that application or receipt, mm-hmm. then we've got evidence they appeared but couldn't vote or didn't vote. Uh, and, and In other areas uh, yeah. where we don't have that computerized data, we will ask and make as a condition to extended voting that the voter who claims to have been affected by this problem signs an affidavit mm-hmm. under penalties of perjury that they appeared at the polls, that they appeared with the intent to vote, that they attempted to vote but were turned away because they did not have a ballot for them. And just to be clear, when you say uh, some of your polls are uh, are computerized, you're talking about the electronic poll books, not the actual, I, I don't think you guys use touchscreen voting out there, you use paper ballots that are optically scanned by computers, correct? We do. That's okay. the, the latter is the process that we have. We do have touchscreen for uh, handicapped voting, mm-hmm. but um, the, the process that is in place in the computerized polling places is the the uh, ballot that's filled out manually, but then uh, screened. Right. Okay. Scanned, excuse me. Scanned, yeah. And I, I've got a question about that, too. I've been trying to uh, get in touch with the county clerk, uh, uh, Chuck Van Vertlo, about that, and I'll see if, if you can help me out on that point. But a couple of other uh, points. Uh, what about the fairness issue here? The results, after all, have already been announced. Uh, did that come up in uh, conversations and court hearings about this, the fact that people are actually voting after they know uh, who has been the, the, the winner and loser of these various races that were on the ballot? It did, and um, I didn't buy that argument, nor mm-hmm. do I believe did the court. And I say that for this reason. I can understand that if there's information out there, in other words, as there was here, mm-hmm. informal, unofficial ballot count that um, people would have access to that data. But if you saw the, the outrage, if you saw the anger by people wanting to vote who were denied the right to vote, mm-hmm. I cannot be convinced by that argument that these people would simply say, no, I'm not going to vote. I'm going to change my mind. I think that's a giant leap of faith. I think that amounts to speculation, and I don't think that withstands logical scrutiny. And as I understand, the judge actually in this case uh, who ordered this remedy was himself held up at the polls on Election Day until about 9.30 p.m. and and saw people leaving who could not, uh, you know, who were unable to vote, who could not wait in line for several hours. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, That's absolutely correct. And in fact, as an attempt, when we first became aware of this, Brad, mm-hmm when we first became aware of the problem with regard to the ballots and they were attempting to print out additional ballots as fast as they could, we actually applied for an emergency order and obtained an emergency order Mm -hmm. to extend the the polling hours. Right. But even that was insufficient. Well, sure. Uh, And I saw that some of the polls had run out early in the morning and, uh, you know, people can't wait around for two or three hours uh, on a a work day uh, to vote. Uh, the the remedy here, though, is quite extraordinary. Essentially, they're setting up for early voting uh, the way they would run early voting, but they're doing it as uh, late voting in this case. I, uh, I, I've i been following this stuff for years. I have never seen a remedy like this. I checked with uh, uh, 
Uh, UC Irvine election law professor Rick Hassan about it, and uh, he told me, uh, he said, I have never seen a remedy like this ever, and I'm not sure it would hold up if it got further challenged in court. Now, I understand that uh, that you and the county clerk were back in court this morning uh, with hearings on this, according to a yes. deputy in his office. So is there now a challenge to this order, or is there any concern that there will be? There is. The attorney general of the state of Illinois uh, filed a motion to intervene and I confess that motion because I do believe that the Attorney General, as the le- Chief Legal Officer for the State of Illinois and its branches, has a vested interest in this process mm-hmm. and certainly in statewide elections. So that's a no-brainer. They have the right to be heard, and they were heard today. They also asked that the injunction that was granted yesterday be vacated, claiming that it will create... Uh, inequalities or potential inequalities throughout the state in the manner in which problems like this are handled in the future. Mm -hmm. My response to that was and is this. I respect their position, but in terms of balancing constitutional rights, Mm -hmm. the constitutional right to vote is sacred, and we need to do everything we can within reason and with sufficient safeguards to to uh, protect that right people couldn't vote because of essentially a government failure they have the right to vote it needs to be restored it needs to be protected and uh, uh, the, the safeguards as I mentioned are sufficient we have uh, we have a process as you mentioned early voting mm-hmm which is the same process that would be used for this limited remedy. We'll just call it extended voting. And it's, again, it's an electronically scanned ballot that would be segregated so that in the event of a court challenge, and there has been an appeal already to the order Mm -hmm. that Judge uh, Bailey has entered. We appeared today on their request to vacate the injunction. The court denied their request to vacate the injunction. They have filed a notice of appeal to the Fourth District Appellate Court. So it's going up. Is is that the AG that is actually appealing in this case? So that would yes. okay, because they don't want to see. I I understand there were other counties around Illinois yes. uh, who had right. similar problems. Uh, justifiably, uh, a bit of a precedent uh, is being set here. Is that the concern of the attorney of uh, the state attorney general? Well, um, again, getting back to the to the point you made earlier and that you just restated. Yes, uh, it is unprecedented, at least in my knowledge, that Mm -hmm. someone has sought this remedy. But you know what, Brad? In a situation like this, we got to do something. Mm. And uh, there's got to be a first time. It might as well be here. It might as well be now. And, uh, again, I am comfortable with the safeguards we build into the process. This is an emergency. This is... You know, it's not an exaggeration to say that we ask people to die to protect this right. And I don't think that it is going too far or doing too much that we have instituted an emergency measure with sufficient safeguards to restore that right to people who have been denied that right. Uh, the so, you know, when we ask people quite literally to dive on grenades yeah. so that we can have this right... I'm going to do everything I think we ought to do to protect that. And if this is the first time, 
Well, so be it. Uh, Adams County Clerk Chuck uh, Van Vertlow uh, projected just a 27% turnout. Obviously, the turnout was much higher. He was basing it on uh, previous presidential years where you didn't have the kind of uh, uh, turnout that we have seen so far this year. But state law, state statute requires 110% of the possible ballots needed, not 27%, 110%. Now, you're the uh, state's attorney. Will there be accountability of any sort? I understand that this statute is not usually uh, uh, enforced. Is there any accountability right. due here for the county clerk? Two-part answer to that, Brad. First of all, what you had here was two dynamics on a collision court that, in fact, resulted in a collision in this case. And one is the statute that requires 110 percent ballot preparation. Mm -hmm. The other is the fiscal reality that governments and their uh, agencies operate under based on normally reliable historical data about how how big a percentage of registered voters are going to show up for this primary. Mm -hmm. So what this clerk did, and many others do, is go back, look at previous primaries, and and give their best estimate about how many ballots we're going to need because ballots cost money, and you can literally, even in a county the size of Adams County, you're throwing away, uh, it, you're, you can almost guarantee yourself that you're throwing away uh, a significant amount of money to print 110% of the ballots, even if we had an 80% turnout. Mm-hmm. Well, that means you've you've thrown out or prepared a whole lot of ballots you're not going to use. So what I'm saying here, while it is contrary to the statutory requirement, the reality is that office holders such as our county clerk and others, most others, I would guess, base their ballot preparation numbers on historical data. They were wrong. Well, yeah, they were, and yeah. uh, and and the result was, you know, if we go back to the things that uh, you mentioned, I'm speaking with uh, Adams County, Illinois State's attorneys, Attorney General. Uh, I'm sorry, State's Attorney John Barnard. You know, people died for this right. If we're talking about a few extra dollars, it seems that we ought to be erring on the side of making sure that everyone can vote, even if that does cost a few extra dollars. Uh, well, there's a lesson there to yeah. be sure. Yeah, and. If I were to speculate, Mm -hmm. my guess is that county clerks in the future, at least in this county, will prepare 110% (laughs) of the registered voters' uh, number of ballots, even if historically only 10% are going to show up. Yeah, you bet. Is there uh, any idea? Again, again, that is certainly uh, something, it's the, the hard lesson that was learned here. But to me, the more important point is we got a problem here. We got to fix it. We can't let a person's right to vote get trampled on like this. And I can't tell you how much I admire your uh, your fight for exactly that. I'm not kidding. It's it's greatly appreciated that there's someone out, out there like you who has these concerns and is fighting for this, even if it uh, puts us into new territory about how to handle it. But, uh, John... I have been railing on this program since Tuesday about what happened in Illinois and elsewhere. You guys have a paper ballot system. 
All you got to do is go out to a Kinko's and make photocopies. Nobody should ever be turned away. Yes, they may have to hand count those uh, photocopied ballots because they don't go through the scanner or remake them, which I want to ask you about in a second because I find that offensive. But either way, you can make Xeroxes of this uh, stuff. Why was anybody being turned away? Why wasn't the county clerk uh, just telling the precincts, make copies, make sure that people can vote? Well, again... The retrospectoscope never fails. Uh, <laughs> hindsight is always twenty twenty, and those those points are well taken. The lessons that the county clerk has and may learn in the future as a result of this are painful and real. But I think we have to again keep our eye on the ball. What we're dealing with here, what we have attempted to deal with here, is a problem of of monumental proportions, uh, going right to the heart of our system, right to the heart of our democracy. Look, if I'm wrong about this, if if the procedure we have established to restore those rights to these voters uh, is flawed, and some appellate court tells me so, so be it. But you know what? I'd rather be wrong about the process while attempting to restore the right to vote then do nothing. Well, God bless you for that. A last question for you, uh, John. Uh, is, as I do understand, there were some uh, 1,162 photocopied ballots that were indeed said to have been cast. Uh, I have had a uh, concern for a long time in cases like this when, uh, and, and I believe I heard uh, the, the county clerk uh, Van Vertlo say that he had planned to remake these ballots. In other words, have someone uh, fill out a, a scannable version of the ballot with, you know, uh, election judges looking over his shoulder and so forth because he felt that hand counting was more prone to error than completely remaking the ballot. I find remaking someone's ballot quite disturbing and offensive uh, rather right. than simply hand counting it. Uh, is, well, is that uh, a concern again, that's, I, I am aware that there is some thinking or perhaps even an inclination in that direction, Brad. Mm-hmm. I can't confirm that because he has not had that discussion with me. But as a, you know, as a guy walking down the street, I would have to share that concern and do share that concern with you because once you start monkeying with ballots, then mm-hmm. you've got more problems than you're ever going to solve. Well, uh, put my vote in for hand counting at least those uh, photocopied <laughs> yeah. ballots, uh, even if you have to take my vote in a week or so for it. Uh, yeah. John, we'll count that as a provisional vote. Thank you. Whatever you need to do. Uh, John Barnard, uh, greatly appreciate it. Right now, as of now, the voting The late voting, as we're calling it, will indeed begin uh, Monday through Friday, unless another court order uh, from this uh, appellate challenge. That's correct. Really appreciate your fight here. Uh, I hope you don't mind if we uh, stay in touch as this moves forward. Uh, Hell of an interesting story, and uh, thanks for everything. Yeah, in terms of what the future may hold, legally speaking, in terms of a challenge, I mentioned that a notice of appeal has been filed. There is a mechanism for for emergency hearings on emergency matters in the appellate courts. I would not be surprised if I get notice of a uh, setting for oral argument or a briefing schedule on this issue. But again, I think we've got a little bit of breathing room for everybody to be heard here, Brad, because of the following.
as I mentioned, the votes that do take place next week will be segregated and as such will be mm-hmm. easy to identify in terms of the, the, the voting numbers from those votes. If an appellate court determines that the process is flawed or this is un- somehow unconstitutional or illegal, mm-hmm. they can simply strike those ballots as void. So the, so the voting can go ahead Monday through Friday no matter what, uh, even as the appeals process moves forward. And, right, unless oh, gotcha. the appellate court feels that, oh, no, we've got to stop this voting process. Well, uh, again, wh- where's the harm in that? Well, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't see the harm in that, at least when balancing the competing interests. You can, there is still plenty of time during the certification process when a court of review can review the matter, and if it determines this process is fatally flawed, simply strike those vo- those votes, those ballots as void. Indeed. Uh, well, of course, I didn't. Uh, I was wondering where was the harm in uh, actually counting the way voters voted back in Florida in 2000, but somehow courts <laughs> came up with a, a reason to not do it. So you never know what lies ahead. Yeah, my, you know, not all of my interests, but uh, at least my. Most of my legal interests stop at the borders of Adams County. (laughs) I hear you. I wish I was so lucky. Uh, Adams (laughs) County, Illinois State's Attorney John Barnard, thank you so much uh, for your time today. And uh, hopefully we don't talk to you in the future. Hopefully all of this uh, works out smoothly from here on out. We'll see. Okay. It's been a pleasure, Brad. Thank you, sir. Man, you see, uh, Desi, this is why I say over and over again, you got to get it right on election night. There are no do-overs in democracy, although in this case, we we may have a bit of a do-over. But, you know, I have to say, uh, none of this would have happened if they had been using touchscreens. You are so fired, Desi Doyen. (laughs) You are so... Yeah, I know. You're right. Had they been using 100% unverifiable touchscreens, everyone could have voted. They wouldn't have run out of ballots, and we would have had no idea if any single one of those ballots, any single one of those votes was actually counted as per the voters' intent. Yes, I know. I know you know. You're just trying to drive me crazy. But it is a short drive. Uh, (laughs) Short drive, but a long segment. So I got to get out, and we'll come back uh, with much more Bradcast, uh, including some good voting news, some good uh, encouraging election results, uh, plus the Green News Report, plus some listener mail, if we're lucky. All of that and more straight ahead on the Bradcast. Man, I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year round, like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to keep doing so, now more than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to make a monthly pledge of any amount you like to help keep us going, or even just a one-time-only contribution. While everyone else covers the horse race, we also keep our eyes on the track conditions those horses are running on. Because voting systems, access to the polls, and citizen oversight of election results can make all the difference. Please help us continue to fight independently for your democracy by taking about 60 seconds right now to stop by bradblog.com donate today. And thanks.
back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. I was going to get to some uh, good voting news, and I'm still going to do that in a second, but uh, as I went to break, I did receive uh, Desi Doyen in my uh, formerly nicotine-stained fingers here <laughs> uh, a uh, an email response from Chuck Van Vertlow, the... Uh, Adams County Clerk Recorder in response to my questions. And I'm, I'm sort of, I'm going to read these uh, uh, out loud with you as we go. And in fact, uh, as I mentioned, you know, I, I, I was railing in that first segment about this problem. And I really don't mean to demonize uh, Van Verdlo. He seems like a decent guy. He seemed to feel quite bad about what ended up happening. And I don't have any reason to believe it was done for nefarious reasons. But when people can't vote, when people bother to turn out and vote and they are not allowed to, that just makes me absolutely nuts. Uh, so uh, he had been busy uh, today, uh, but it uh, looks like he finally responded to a couple of the questions that I had sent him. Uh, I had asked why he didn't simply instruct poll judges to make photocopies of the ballots when they ran out at those locations in Adams County, Illinois, instead of turning people away. Uh, he says, uh, and I'm reading directly here, we were making copies of ballots as fast as we could and getting those out to all locations. I had two people in the office phoning the polling locations to let them know we were printing ballots and delivering. We let them know uh, that it may take time <clears throat> But we could get them ballots. Now, uh, my response would be, uh, why didn't they just copy them right then and there? A lot of these locations were community centers, churches, schools, and so forth that I'm I'm sure have, uh, you know, photocopy uh, machines. Uh, or ask people, hey, is there a Kinko's nearby? Go out and... Uh, Go out and get them copied yourself. I remember back in, uh, I talked about this the other day, back in North Carolina, the Republican primary. I can't remember what year it was. But all of the touchscreen machines broke down entirely across uh, Horry County, North Carolina, and they weren't able to vote at all. And uh, and but and that answers, by the way, your smart alecky comment there, Miss Desi Doyen, <laughs> about uh, the touchscreens. They can go out entirely, and nobody can cast a vote at all. And they didn't have any paper. People were finding scraps of paper, paper towels, menus. I think yeah, I and just writing what you know to cast their vote, and those were counted. That's what they ended up using. So uh, you know, people could have just taken an old piece of paper and written on it uh anyway um i also asked uh about the uh 1162 photocopied ballots that reportedly were cast uh that day in adams county i said uh if some locations did that why didn't all locations do that uh, Chuck Van Bertlow says, uh, same answer. Says, we were in the process of copying for all precincts. There were some locations that once we arrived with ballots, voters had already left. And then finally, I asked him uh, about the plans to remake those photocopied ballots in order to scan them rather than simply hand count them uh, without remaking the ballots. Uh, Van Vertlo says, I am following statutes set forth for provisional voters voting in the wrong precinct, which these were not. So I'm not sure why he's using that. He says, obviously, different circumstances, but this is what we are doing. So unclear as far as why that is what they are doing. I suspect that may change. Um, but, you know, this matters even if you don't live in Illinois. 
Uh, and even if you don't care about the results of this race, because this is a problem we see time and time again, election after election. As I mentioned at the top of the show, you know, we complain that people don't uh, turn out. Uh, elected officials complain, hey, the voters uh, turnout is so low. Uh, but then when they do turn out, they run into all of these problems. And uh, so this could happen to you as well in, in your state for an election that you give a damn about. So uh, make sure it doesn't. Yeah. And what's scary about this is we know turnout is already high for the primaries and it's going to get probably really high you for think? the election in November. So you if think? they're not ready for that, God forbid we should have a rerun of the 2000 election, not just because it happened in Florida, but oh, my God, what if it were all over the country? Did I fire you in the previous segment? <laughs> yes. Because you're fired again oh. for even even mentioning those words. <laughs> Please, like I don't have enough problems. All right. Uh, very quickly here, since we're running late, uh, it was not all about uh, presidential primaries on Tuesday in Cleveland and Chicago. They voted on replacing the prosecutors who bungled, which is a. A very nice way of, uh, for me to put it, uh, the Laquan McDonald and Tamir, ca uh, Tamir Rice cases last year. Laquan McDonald, do you remember, is the teenager who was shot 16 times by police in October 2014. It was an incident that was captured on squad car video. Um, the, uh, the prosecutor there in... Um, uh, in Chicago, Anita Alvarez had charged the police officer with murder, but not until November 2015, more than a year after the incident actually occurred and just hours after a judge had ordered city officials to release uh, that uh, squad car dash cam uh, video publicly. And so that's when uh, murder charges were finally brought. Well, uh, let's see. Anita Alvarez lost in uh, in Chicago she lost by some 28 points to Kim Fox last Tuesday she was running in uh, in the primary there and so uh well Anita Alvarez is out in Chicago and I know a lot of the uh, black black lives matter folks and uh frankly just folks who give a damn about justice everywhere have been very happy about this that's a huge victory for justice Chicago activists are now turning their aim at Mayor Rahm Emanuel, reportedly, uh, though I don't believe he runs for re-election until like 2019 or something like that. In, uh, in Cleveland, Cuyahoga County Prosecutor Tim McGinty in Ohio, he was also on the ballot on Tuesday. He was the uh, Cleveland prosecutor where 12-year-old Tamir Rice was killed in less than three seconds after police responded to a call about a young black man in a park with a gun which turned out to be a toy gun. The shooting was somehow ruled justifiable. Uh, Prosecutor McGinty had advocated against charges for the two Cleveland police officers involved in the death of that 12-year-old, uh, as well as his handling of other cases involving police use of force. Prosecutor, Prosecutor McGinty also lost his election handily against Democratic primary, his Democratic primary challenger. There's no Republican running in that race. So the challenger, Mike O'Malley, is now essentially the new county prosecutor in Cuyahoga County, uh, Cleveland, Ohio. 
So there's some encouraging news for many of you who I, I know were uh, disturbed, were troubled, were saddened by the results of uh, last Tuesday's election, particularly of Bernie Sanders supporters. As I've said, uh, you know, change doesn't always happen all at once. But yes, voting matters and elections matter. And uh, now these two bad prosecutors are out thanks to uh, the uh, election on Tuesday and thanks to you voters who turned out and made your voice heard. And thanks to the election officials who made sure there were enough ballots for you to do it. A quick break and we are back with Green News Report and uh, and some listener mail if I can get to it. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Broadcast melting for you and for Desi Doyen. Desi? Desi? Yes. yes. You're unfired. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you. Uh, we've got to get to uh, your latest green news report, and uh, I want to get to some uh, listener mail that uh, you folks have sent in to bradcast at bradblog.com about a couple of the issues we've been covering over the past few days. Um, so let's do it. Okay, let's do it first. Let's go to uh, our, our latest Green News report. The president and I share a common goal. President Obama and Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau unite to cut the methane. Oh, no, you didn't. The Atlantic is out. The Arctic back in for offshore drilling. Score one for Native Americans over mining. Plus, this is the greatest honor of my life. Obama's Supreme Court nominee could be good news for the environment. But only if he's actually confirmed. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Americans can do anything. There is no problem before us we cannot solve. Except for stopping climate change, keeping Florida from sinking into the ocean, and winning the Republican nomination for president. Am I right, Marco Rubio? This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, well, I, I know he's out of the race now, and I, I hate to kick him when he's down, and I, I really don't mean to pile on poor Marco Rubio. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. No, I, you're, uh, you're right. I, I really don't. I'm sorry, but it is absolutely outrageous that this guy got letters from 16 mayors in his own home state, some of them Republican, begging him to take action on climate change, to keep South Florida from disappearing under the water, and Marco Rubio was running for president. Uh, pretending all of this was a conspiracy theory or something. I'm sorry, it's maddening. He will be back. So we need to let people know what Marco Rubio is all about. Okie dokie then. Yeah. What else do you have for us today that won't enrage me? <laughs> well, I don't know if it won't enrage you, but President Obama has nominated Judge Merrick Garland, Chief Justice of the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, to the U.S. Supreme Court seat left vacant by the death of Antonin Scalia. Considered a moderate, Judge Garland's rulings on the lower court are difficult to discern, but they have tended to favor the environment. That includes allowing environmental groups to legal standing to sue, and he is also up 
upheld the Environmental Protection Agency's authority against industry challenges. Now, that could be very important for Obama's Clean Power Plan, the first ever carbon emission standards for power plants, which is expected to reach the court in the fall, but only if he gets confirmed. I saw that 350.org was supporting his nomination, but again, that's only if he gets confirmed, and right now that seems to be a very, very long shot. The Interior Department has proposed major changes to offshore oil and gas drilling in federal waters. In a policy reversal, the administration has withdrawn plans to allow offshore drilling in the Atlantic Ocean for five years. That's following protests from hundreds of coastal communities fearing a repeat of the BP oil spill. Well, that's some good news. Yeah, the move is a victory for environmental organizations and grassroots groups, but it could be overturned by the next president. However, the offshore drilling changes are a mixed bag. The administration also reversed a policy to protect the fragile Arctic and now proposes to open some of those areas to new oil exploration off the Alaska coast. But after the spectacular failure of Shell Oil's attempt to drill in the Arctic last year, it's unclear whether other oil companies will bid on these new Arctic leases. This draft proposal from the Interior Department is now open for public comment. I have none. That's a switch. Who asked you? The U.S. will now partner with Canada to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. It's a major shift in Canadian environmental policy with the election of Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who praised the joint agreement at a Rose Garden press conference. The president and I have announced today that we'll take ambitious action to reduce methane emissions nearly by half from the oil and gas sector, reduce use and emissions of hydrofluorocarbons, and implement aligned greenhouse gas emission standards for heavy-duty vehicles, amongst other plans, to flight climate change. Did he say to flight climate change? <laughs> yes, he did. He's new. He's Canadian. And now the EPA will begin developing methane emission standards for existing oil and gas facilities. That's on top of new rules for new oil and gas facilities. So this is a big deal if it doesn't get reversed by the next president or by the Supreme Court. Finally, a victory for the Apache tribe in Arizona, thwarting a multinational mining company seeking to establish a copper mine on lands sacred to the Apache, but outside their reservation. Arizona Republican Senator John McCain had quietly transferred the parcel to the mine company in a land swap in an unrelated piece of legislation, despite the tribe's protest. But this week, the National Park Service put the area on the National Register of Historic Places. It won't stop the mine, but it will delay it significantly. Nice. Well done. I saw the Republican response was something about special interests. Yes, an Apache sacred spiritual site is now special interests. Unbelievable. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget, you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Yeah, we'll kick them whenever. <laughs>
Well, if they deserve kicking. Yeah. And one thing I want to say, just a little bit more of a follow-up. Yeah, you had a follow-up. I know that we didn't get... Uh, we didn't have time for that. this part in the Apache Reservation having this fight with the mining company, that right. story that we just covered. That John McCain tried to sneak in and he, give the la- land away to the developers. He succeeded in yeah. sneaking in and privatizing that land. So here's what really struck me. It's from the story from Al Jazeera yeah. America. One of the most controversial components of Resolution Copper's project centers on how the company plans to extract the copper. They say rejecting a more traditional method of mining is too expensive. The company announced it will use a cheaper method called block cave mining. That will result in a crater two miles wide, up to a thousand feet deep, destroying the surface of the land and will generate a cubic mile of mine waste, which the company plans to leave on a parcel of your Forest Service land. A thousand feet deep? Up to a thousand feet, yeah. And two miles wide. They'll dig out from underneath and the land on top is going to collapse. Apache sacred uh, ground. It's a spiritual Spiritual. ground and it's uh, it's, right now it's a National Forest Service. It is outside the reservation, as we said. So this is why this is so crazy. Yeah. Well, and so for now, it has been stopped. There's some good news. It's been paused. We'll see how much more they're able to do, but at least they've been able to put a pause button on it while they work on other aspects, other remedies. Turns out John McCain's kind of a jerk, isn't he? (laughs) Yeah. Kick them when they're up, kick them when they're down. All right, uh, very quickly, we've got uh, some listener mail uh, uh, on a couple of uh, topics that we've been covering over the past few days that you guys sent in to bradcast at bradblog.com. Always nice to hear from you. Uh, This comes from Emil Sorensen, who is uh, in, in Denmark, I believe. He says, hey, since you're interested... I thought I'd recommend the Danish polling system. This is in ah. reference to our uh, continuing uh, series of shows about <laughs> the problem with touchscreen voting systems. Uh, <clears throat> he says, um, I thought I'd recommend the Danish polling system. It's a bit complex, but it's foolproof. We use these high-tech gadgets which house countless numbers of graphite nanoparticles in a vessel made of a durable yet malleable, malleable natural fiber... <laughs> Which allows the user to imprint a shape of their choosing directly onto sheets of densely packed cellulosis fibers. Wow. Then we put these sheets in a large plastic box with hole cut into the lid, after which the user-customized fibrous sheets are counted by hand while being observed by basically anyone who wants to. Sounds so complicated. Yes, that would be a a pencil and, And uh, and a paper. Uh, thank you, Emil, and thank you for listening. Sounds like a good plan to me. Uh, this from Nick. Hi, Brad. I just discovered your show on Radio Sputnik, and I must say it is a breath of fresh air. However, I'm probably not the first person to write you expressing surprise. You don't know how to pronounce the word Q-U-I-X-O-T-I-C. Oh, good. Somebody knows. I mentioned it yesterday as, uh, is it quixotic? Is it kicksotic? I know, I've never heard it said out loud. We were talking about the uh, Republican attempt to find an alternative to Donald Trump, who, you're welcome, I haven't mentioned him all day, I don't think. You're welcome. Uh, Anyway, uh, he was uh, surprised that I did not know how to pronounce that word. He says the term originates from Don Quixote, so the pronunciation is Quixotic. All righty then. I'm going to assume you're familiar with the book, uh, now, of course, uh, I, I do know that it comes from Don Quixote, but I, I think I've never heard actually. Have you ever heard anybody say Quixotic? No, I haven't either. 
I, so I suspect even fewer people would have known what the hell I was talking about <laughs> had I said Quixotic, but Nick is probably right. He says, anyway, just letting you know, enjoy the show, especially the election anomalies stuff. Oh, good. Well, you came to the right place. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I think Nick's way probably makes more sense of, of Quixotic. Indeed but it does. no one would know what the hell I was talking about. At least about. not in America. Either way, glad you found us. Nick, thank you for the uh, comment and the very kind words. Keep listening, please, and staying in touch, especially when I screw up. That's particularly welcome. Always useful. Yes, which means there's always plenty to write about. All right, finally, uh, a couple of notes on... Uh, I was celebrating uh, earlier, uh, was it last Monday, after uh, Daylight Savings Time had kicked in, and celebrating the one time of year that I celebrate uh, the only good thing that Republic... The only undeniably good thing that Republicans did during the entire eight years of the George W. Bush administration, which was expanding daylight savings time, making it uh, go longer, start earlier and later, which I'm happy about. Uh, however, over at Bradblog.com in the comments uh, section in reply, Nemo said daylight savings time neither puts, quote, more daylight in the day which is maybe something I said. I don't know. Uh, something far beyond the power of any legislature, Nemo says. Nor does it usher in long summer nights, which might be an entirely new concept invented just for today's episode, he says. <laughs> summer is when the nights are short. Daylight savings time is when everybody's clocks are wrong. Uh, actually, no. Uh, the clocks aren't wrong in Arizona. Like uh, Martin Luther King Day, uh, the state of Arizona has been holding out for recognition of daylight savings time for years. And unlike Martin Luther King Day, they are still refusing to recognize daylight savings time in Arizona. I think maybe also Hawaii. Hawaii has an excuse. Arizona, no idea what their excuse is. Uh, on that same point, Larry Bergen jumped into Brad Blog comments, comments to re reply to Nemo to say, My mom grew up on a farm. The purpose of daylight savings time is to confuse the cattle and the farmers. <laughs> oh, these purists. I don't know why it would confuse the cattle. I don't know if they have watches uh, other than perhaps the farmers might get up and feed them earlier or some such. Now, see here, I try to find something nice to say about Republicans and look how these spoil sports <laughs> Have to screw it all up. Uh, spoil sports. If you'd like to be a spoil sport and offer your two cents or say something uh, either mean or nice or you have any questions or requests, you can do so uh, via bradcast at bradblog.com or via Twitter or Facebook at the Brad Blog. All right. Or just stop by uh, and leave a comment at bradblog.com. That's it. My thanks today to our producer, Desi Doyen. I know it was a hell of a confusing show to figure out as things were quickly moving. So uh, thank you, Desi Doyen. To our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn. To my guest, Adams County, Illinois State's attorney, John Barnard. And of course, to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of the program, download it anytime at bradblog.com or at iTunes, where we hope you will give us a good review make it easier for everyone else to find us as well and oh yeah please spread the word okay that's it uh i think right yes until we meet again i'm brad friedman good luck world Everybody wants to